0: Hello and welcome to Night Number 8 of 31 Nights of Frights, Year 4, The Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 8 is taking us to a very well-regarded Stephen King adaptation, even if it's not the most accurate. Starring David Soul and Bonnie Bedelia, this is the 1979 Toby Hooper-directed Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot at its heart is a very simple story, but it's a good one. Novelist Ben Mears returns to his New England hometown and discovers that vampires have taken up residence. This has always been a Stephen King adaptation for me that has somehow escaped my viewing. I've seen it a couple times as I was growing up, but I've only seen bits and pieces. I have also probably have only seen the so-called movie version, which was cut down to about two hours. Thankfully, the copy that I own on Blu-ray is the full uncut version because CBS, in the history of this being broadcast, actually went and re-edited the movie to cut out some of the stuff. I guess maybe to show it only on one night. I'm not quite sure but I'm glad that I got to see the full uncut version. It was also a treat to go back and watch this, somewhat for the first time, even though I did see bits and pieces. My thoughts on Salem's Lot is, it's actually a really good gothic feeling vampire film, and I'm not even a huge fan of vampire films. However, when they're done right, they can be very good. Salem's Lot is directed by Toby Hooper, which if you remember, I said about on my Mangler episode just a few days ago that I feel like Toby Hooper hasn't really shown what he can truly do behind the camera where a movie is specifically shot normal. And I say normal because I feel like something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has almost like a documentary type of feel about it. That's one of the things that makes the movie notorious is because it has that grit Then, of course, we had Poltergeist, which I feel is a ghost-directed film from Steven Spielberg. I don't know how much was directed by Toby Hooper and how much was Spielberg, considering Poltergeist feels like a Spielberg film through and through. Thankfully, with Salem Slot, we get a movie that is really well-executed, especially for a late 70s tv production Toby hooper manages to fill the movie with a whole bunch of great scenes and i know that there's the cut down versions of this movie but i really wouldn't want to see anything cut from it because everything is so well done it's extremely surprising to me that he was able to deliver some shocks and scares while trying to work within the television standards and the fact that this movie rated is only rated pg I'm not saying that the movie's overly violent or anything like that, or there's a lot of blood and gore, but there's just a lot of well-executed subtle scares throughout. We have a lot of good moments, such as that look-at-me teacher scene. It's the first time we actually see the vampires to be truly threatening in the movie, as up until that point, we just got some attacks, but the scene where the vampire attacks would generally just pause and zoom in and we would see that as going to a commercial break. But the one scene that really stuck out to me was when Mr. Barlow, the master vampire, shows up at the prison. It's a pretty good jump scare. It didn't work on me, but it's well executed. Later when he makes his full appearance, it's awesome. I believe it's an iconic appearance. He is just a rectangle on the floor and rises to give us our first full view. It's after this scene that it seems like all hell breaks loose after the first appearance of the Master. It's great how the first part was a slow burn, the first, say, hour and a half of the movie, and it only showed us part of the vampire infestation, which goes along with how all this was happening without the town even noticing. And even when there is a full-on infestation, no one really realizes it, because the townspeople just think they are all tired not knowing that they're slowly dying and becoming a vampire. So that was one aspect that I really enjoyed about it. We got that big reveal that was very rewarding for sitting through most of the stuff, which is just stuff to kind of weird you out. The setup, in my opinion, definitely had a payoff. I think that's probably one of the best things about this movie. It's running for almost, I guess, about three hours and five minutes or so. And it's never really boring, because a lot of the scenes that are like character-building moments allows the movie to breathe a little bit, but it's never slowly paced. We could say that some of the other Stephen King miniseries are a little bit on the slower side, such as It. I was never truly bored with the It miniseries, but it does feel its length. Salem's Lot, thankfully, doesn't. There's also another scene in the movie that I liked a lot where Ben is describing the Marsden house with his story of the house and how it's haunted and what he saw there. He's basically saying the house attracts evil men in this case and in modern day, Mr. Barlow, who no one has ever seen. It's a great atmospheric dialogue-driven scene in stating how everyone has that one house in their neighborhood that is either haunted or they feel is simply evil. In a lot of ways, it kind of plays up on that childhood fear of that one house that we know we should stay away from, whether we heard the stories or the house just looks straight up creepy. I also really enjoyed the fact that these vampires that are infesting Salem's Lot are tried and true vampires. They follow all the rules like they have to be invited in and almost hypnotize all of their victims. Seeing the various vampires floating outside of the victims' windows is definitely a creepy sight, and I think it's handled great. Even the special effects for this one are pretty well done, such as the actual design for Mr. Barlow, as well as the glowing eyes that the vampires have. Even though this is a television production, it doesn't feel like TV. It actually has the feel of a real movie. Salem's Lot was popular enough to have a sequel return to Salem's Lot, which is known as being one of the worst sequels of all time. I do remember that I have seen a bit of it, I think it does have some of its fans just because of it being a bad movie. It's probably nothing compared to the original Salem Slot that I feel you could watch it today and it still holds up. It definitely did for me. There was the Salem Slot remake with Rob Lowe that aired on TNT. I did not see that one, sadly. I will put it on my viewing list, but it's not going to make the cut this year for 31 Nights of Frights. Getting back to the Salem Slot miniseries that we're talking about here, I think it's casted really well. David Soul as Ben Mears, he does a great job. I think that he provides enough dramatic intensity, but yet it's very subdued with his performance. I think it works great for the movie. He really does feel like a character that has gone away and come back to his childhood home. I would have to say that one of my favorite characters in the movie is Richard Stryker, played by James Mason. He did an awesome job at playing a creep. We know that there's something off about this guy, but yet he's pleasant the entire time. Of course, he is serving the master, Mr. Barlow. I really think that this is a role that could have gone to Vincent Price just by the way he gives his very calm, cool, collected, line delivery. It definitely sounds like Vincent Price or that it could have been Vincent Price for this role. That would have been absolutely amazing, but that's not taking away from what James Mason does here. I think he's pretty great in the movie. The casting for Salem's Lot is even more fun when you see a very young Fred Willard in the movie. I actually really enjoyed the ending to Salem's Lot. I like that the master is destroyed and Ben knows that the vampires are going to be coming for him. It kind of answers a question that I had, because when the house was burned down at the end of the film, I was wondering, well, how does he know that Susan was actually dead? He doesn't. But yet, the ending goes and provides that answer. Ben Mears' love interest Susan goes and comes for him at the end of the film, I like it because it's kind of a downbeat ending. It's not a very happy ending. Because while Ben did eradicate most of the vampires there in Salem Lot, as well as the master, he wound up losing the one that he loves. He lost her to the master and becoming a vampire. So even though he succeeded, he failed. I think it was a fantastic way to end the film because it gave closure, but it was a very downbeat closure. Overall, Salem's Lot definitely impressed me. I don't know why I haven't seen it completely in full, or if I did, I don't remember, but it was definitely great to go back and check it out. It holds up, it's definitely one of the Stephen King films that I would recommend if they're looking for a good Stephen King movie, even if the adaptation wasn't necessarily 100% accurate. But I will have to say that I definitely enjoyed my time in Salem's Lot. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore Analyzes. This is a part of the larger Adam Analyzes podcast, so if you need to catch up on some past episodes of Adam Analyzes or 31 Nights of Frights, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach me, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying this, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or, if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review at the podcast listing platform of your choice. It will allow me to create new content as well as reach new listeners. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I will see you back here tomorrow for night number nine.